All right, good afternoon, everybody. I'm Sean Benson. It is 3.30, my time, and this is Chatting Between Takes. Welcome, Caleb Alexander. What's going on, Caleb? Not too bad. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. It's so good to have you over here. We've been trying to do this for a bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, ostensibly, we're here uh, partly because you were part of the cast of Barn Wedding. Yeah. And, you know, we're kind of doing the push-up to the Canadian Film Fest and getting so everybody in. excited about that. Tell me about that. <laughs> What's your excitement? What's your feelings about this? Well, I mean, I've been doing so much theater for my whole life, and it's like, this is my first feature and like my whole family's coming down friends family oh, everyone's excited I've showed so many people the trailer and they're just kind of like what <laughs> you did that yeah. last year yeah 10 days yeah I have to be there so it's kind of like oh I love I'm it. just losing losing it. and so is my family so is my parents and everyone yeah yeah so for you I mean I, I in a weird way I feel almost like not jaded with this but I've done a lot of film and TV so mm-hmm. what does it feel like you know, I just showed Caleb's, uh, for the people listening, uh, the first like 10 minutes of the movie. What's it feel like when you're seeing something you've never seen before? You know, I don't know what that's like anymore. <laughs> and I'm not like some grizzled old veteran, but you oh, know, man. The what's fir- going through your head or your first, body? The first feeling is absolute cringe worthy. It's like, oh my God, that's what I'm doing. What am I doing with my hands? What am I doing with my face? I'm overacting. Ah, da, 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 da. But then, like, what, what's really nice about the, the film is that, like, you kind of settle into it and everyone is you just kind of start coasting and right. like riding this roller coaster with everybody as a viewer as a as, person. A, as a viewer i start right. thinking about me and i think more about these yep. people so you kind of distance yourself as like the performer judging the that performance right, totally and you start looking at it as the story and as the the characters oh, well if you can it. do that in 10 minutes you're a better man than i because i'm still watching <laughs> like you know and going what the fuck yeah. but as seeing it then through your eyes if mm-hmm. I'm showing you or I showed Elise a bit or right. I realize that I like it because mm-hmm. as moments are happening I'm, I'm proud of them mm-hmm. uh, instead of going uh, I can't wait till this part's over you know right. um, do you remember what it like as you're watching do you remember what it felt like to shoot the things you're watching well that was the thing when when uh, like for example when we first walk into the, the house it was kind of like tears started welling oh. up in my eyes and I was like I remember sleeping on that floor I remember doing quick changes with three <laughs> other guys in a room I remember running around with like mac and cheese and it was just insane uh, but then like watching it how it kind of played out mm-hmm. was just incredible because the colors popped so much yeah. more. Like yeah, yeah. the light was incredible. And mm-hmm. I, and to me, it was just a really, really early morning where I was half awake. and In real life. In real life. Yeah. And I was just kind of like, oh my God. Well, it's funny because uh, again, for the, the the people listening, you know, we shot the bulk of this at my parents' house in Guelph, which is a very colorful house. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to... Not just shoot the house the way it was, but the way I think of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the joy of filmmaking or, or anything creative, right? Is that right. you get to kind of go, okay, well, what if I tweak this a little mm-hmm. uh, so that it still plays within the real world, but at the same time, it's there's a bit of a trick to it. We yeah. didn't do it much, though, you know. We basically just said, I want those reds and blues to really pop. Yeah. And, and the rest of it was kind of taken care of. Well, and then there, there was just so much, like, intricate stuff on the walls. Like, you had family pictures. You had the, the flapper girl. Oh, had, oh my gosh. Like, it's so it's a freaky house. And yeah. you're the one who actually says this, this place <laughs> is a little insane. Yeah. Um, by the way, uh, for the people listening, if you don't know Caleb's work, uh, if you watch the Barn Wedding trailer, he's the one uh, in the dark who's saying thanks for getting married. And he sort of... He sort of narrates the trailer in a way. And I mean, that was a choice we made, but 
in retrospect, it was kind of the only choice we could have made. Cool. If you listen to what he's saying and if you look at what he's saying, uh, talk about that for a sec, Caleb, in mm-hmm. terms of you're, you're essentially in that bit yeah. And and by the way, again, for the people listening, you know, he's had a few beers and he's making a toast uh, <laughs> at a dinner. I won't give away much more of it, but you're essentially describing much of the theme of our film. Right. Were you aware of that? Was it something that registered while shooting it, while reading it, or has it even registered yet? No, not at all. Actually, that was the, the very first time when I watched the trailer that I was like, oh, yeah, this is kind of what the film's about. No, but for me, it was more about... Like this guy who's kind of terrified of committing to a relationship and right. getting in, involved in that. And then it was became more and more real when uh, you started like as we sorry progressing through the filming of, of, the, of the, the shoot, like how that kind of mimicked everyone. Yes. Everyone's story yes. and yes. their relationship with relationships and how everyone commits so differently. Yeah. And it was like, and it's funny because like that kind of honesty only really does come out when we're a little, yeah. little tipsy, yeah. a little off the rocker. And Well, this is what I love truths. though about your performance. And you know, again, for the people listening, like uh, you chatting between takes where it's not just about acting, but we, we, we try and make it like bigger themes that come from the fact that everybody I know is basically in, in, in what we call the business. Mm-hmm. Um, but So I see you in a play called Delicacy, which mm-hmm. I even forgot you were in, and with Kelly, <laughs> who's yeah. our writer and, and one of our leads, yeah. and um, I just think I want to work with you. Yeah. So I'm thinking, I love this fucking guy. I love his performance. And obviously, we knew each other socially. Mm-hmm. Not terribly well, but f- in a friendly way. And so I was like, awesome. And then when this thing comes up, I'm like, great. Like, There's no one we want not to play this part. We just want you to do the part. Yeah. But part of what you just said for me is why. Because you're not looking at the theme. You're just looking at what the guy in that moment is feeling. And if the movie has a strength, I think that's it, is that I didn't even know till I saw the trailer that that was the theme of our movie. (laughs) If you know what I mean, I'm like, oh, shit. You know, and that's why I think Kelly wrote a good movie, is Mm -hmm. we're sitting here going, wait a minute, there's actually stuff in here that's relevant beyond me. And and you know what what was really interesting? I think for me, when I was going... And doing my character work, I was just kind of like, oh my gosh, this is totally me. Because I remember when I would go out with parties with, you know, you're, you're stuck with these people for so long working on shows and so on. And there would become a time in the in the night, you know, everyone's a little sauced. And I kind of pull a friend aside who's kind of been having trouble. And then they, my friends would then call this uh, Real Talk with Caleb. Real Talk. <laughs> and it's just kind of like I would just lay down the rules of like, listen, dude, you're breaking your own heart. You need to break up or you need wow. to. Commit. Wow. And then and be like, I'm only saying this because I love you, dude. And da 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 da. And it was just and it and I just kind of like keyed into that moment when we were like working. So let's on this. talk about this. This is interesting. <laughs> you're pulling your buddies aside and you're get, you're going, listen, yeah. you're with the wrong chick yeah. or the wrong guy. Or your career or whatever it is, right? And and do you think you're right? Like, have you have they thanked you, or have they have you had to then stand like best man at the wedding when they married that girl? <laughs> no, I think you know what it's it's honestly for for me. I I, I think they they have respected that. Um, I get a little crazy sometimes, but I think also it's it's just the the one thing the one elephant in the room that everyone's afraid to uh, approach. 
I agree. Because, like, no one wants to say that, like, listen, dude, you're spending all of your time away from the thing that you actually love to do. You should probably, like, note that. I love this. And, and, you know, I think that we're all pretty good, especially when we love someone and we know them, Mm -hmm. at seeing when they're doing that. Mm Mm-hmm. I've also heard and even said on this podcast that unsolicited advice is criticism, mm, which true. doesn't mean somebody might not need criticism every once in a while. No. Now, in my life, because I've been such a critical prick, I am tending the other way these days, which yeah. doesn't mean the pendulum won't swing. Mm-hmm. But my needle's pointing a bit more towards let everyone figure their own shit out and just kind of be an ear. Mm-hmm. Uh However, I would like to do more of what you do. I'd well, like to pull people aside and go, can I talk to you for a second? Like, yeah. uh, do, do you have any fucking idea? Well, I think it, it becomes, it comes, <laughs> becomes more about... I like, don't drink anymore, no. so I don't have that like <laughs> freedom to that. be like, I love you and I need to tell you something. Yeah. No, I think uh, over time for me anyways, like I don't get, I try not to get as wasted <laughs> anymore. But uh, it becomes more about the language, right? Right. And it's, it's, it's less about putting someone down and accusing them and right. being like, you're wrong in your choices. But more about like, listen, like you could go this way or this way. And like either choice is great, but you need to know how that's going to affect you and like, I'm just looking at this as a friend and trying to respect you as a friend. Absolutely. Have you had this backfire? Have you had anyone go fuck off none of your business? Um, yeah. 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 yeah that was uh, my ex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your ex. Want to yeah. talk about that? Uh, not so much. Not so much? Yeah. Okay, fuck it. You're dating someone new though now, right? Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. Yes, I am. Because yes, Peter am. Andrew Lustig had a question for you. He wanted oh, to yeah. know... How is it dating someone so fucking hot? But I'm not sure who he's referring he's to. Probably referring to my ex. Who, not your ex ex, but your the girl he'd have met at the Christmas party. Oh yes, that's right? my that's my current ex. That's your current ex. <laughs> so so uh, um, let's assume that the girl you're now dating is as hot. How is it is. dating someone? Is she's as hot? She's uh, hot. She's she's absolutely gorgeous <laughs> and, a, and a wonderful wonderful woman. Uh, I I think okay. In terms of uh, looks and so on and trying to match up or be on the same level with another woman is, right. is complete bullshit. You, you mean in terms of you trying to look or them trying to look like another? Whatever okay. they're, whatever they look like. It doesn't really matter to me, to be honest. Right. Like, I think they're, I think all women are beautiful. Right. I think I they agree. all have I wonderful attributes. Agree. Yeah. And it's, it just like in, in acting a scene with someone else, you find the things that are beautiful about them. Yes. And, uh, when it just so happens that a lot of the attributes are pretty wonderful, I mean, you can't complain. You can't complain. Can't well, complain. again, you're no slouch yourself. So <laughs> I, I always find that interesting, though. Like, um, I wonder, and this is totally like unrelated to anything, but yeah. where does our actual taste and desire align with the sort of here's how you're raised? Mm-hmm. Uh, here's what advertisements tell you is hot right. desire. And I mean, mm-hmm. every straight kid in grade eight loves the kind of chubby girl who gets big tits first. 
<laughs> but society goes, yeah. no, all girls have to have like a size two waist, mm-hmm. even if it means they have to get fake tits to fulfill your grade eight desire. Right. It's a sort of perversion mm-hmm. of I like A, B, C, like what you said, all mm-hmm. women are beautiful. Mm-hmm. It kind of gets perverted. Totally. We know this. This isn't yeah. rocket science. Um, society twists it and tells society us that, twists it. that we have to we have to like a certain thing and we have to like another thing. Or we I, have to be like a certain thing. Yeah. You know? I mean, God, I'm busting my ass right now to get skinnier for a shirt off scene. <laughs> I'm already, by the way, to the listeners who, who've been following along, it's not that interesting, but I have been mentioning it. Uh, I started at 192 and now I'm down to like 185 Ooh. and I have a bit of time to go because it turns out it's not this weekend. Um, nobody's asked me to do this. Mm-hmm. I got hired at 194 and they're mm-hmm. like, we love what you're doing. It's my vanity. Totally. It's pure fucking vanity. I but nobody that. in the world, when I mention this, doesn't go, well, that makes sense. Yeah. You can have your shirt off on a fucking U.S. national TV show that Steven Soderbergh's producing. Of course you want to look as good as possible. Yeah. Why does as good as possible mean 10 pounds lighter than when I booked the role? Yeah. Do, do you, I, do, I mean, you probably I, don't have know. to deal with that at all. You're like no, sinewy and no, no. uh, whatever. No, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that. But I. this is this is a I weird neuroses that I have. Me. And it's like, it's like I, I, yes, I am concerned about the way I look sometimes, I try not to be, but the reality is, it's like, what do I want in my career? What do I, what do I want to be striving for? And that's like, ideally, I would love to do an action movie. Oh yeah, and you know what? Oh yeah, the guy in the action movie probably looks like Taylor Kish, where he's just this super God, Taylor Kish looks amazing good. body oh, guy. I didn't like, get the Taylor Kitsch thing until I watched Friday Night. I, I mean, obviously, that's yeah. what blew him up. Right, right. But I always kind of saw him and thought he was cheesy. Mm-hmm. And then I fell in love with Tim Reagans. And now I can't right. wait to see what Taylor Kitsch is up to. Yeah. You know, I'm so excited for the next season of uh, True Detective. I know he's on that. And it's yeah, like, exactly. can't wait to and see And not him. a big blockbuster goof show. Yeah. You know? Well, plus, um, I, I hate other actors who are more successful than me. <laughs> Even though, like, I'm not auditioning for the 18-year-old football player in 2005 when yeah. I'm 30, yeah. but I still, like, hold it against him because, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm such a whatever. What are you going to do? But, I mean, tie, tying it back in terms of, like, personal thing, I, I think it it's also a part of the work that is totally skewed by society, and that's, like, I think that... I, my body needs to look this way to do that action role right. is messed up. And I acknowledge that it's messed up, but my current reality is that that's... And it, it's kind of the viewer's reality, too. It's a bit mm-hmm. of the convention. Steven Seagal actually was pretty good at flipping that because yes. he looked he he's, he looks skinny and almost ripped in Above the Law, his first movie, mm-hmm. and then never again. Yeah. Like, never fit again. But we all know he's a badass. Like everybody exactly. knows Seagal's a legitimate badass. He helps teach Anderson Silva how to strike. He's not bullshit. So nobody cares if he's got He doesn't have to he doesn't, he doesn't have, have to prove it to anybody. But it's right? because we confer upon him already. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's the Aikido badass. Yeah. So when he walks in looking weird or ponytailish or pudgy, yeah. we go, Cool, fine. Yeah. Don't care. Um but for your average person, especially if you're trying to break out, um, let me ask you about something. Yeah, man. Um, and I don't really know how to approach this, but, you know, I was posting <laughs> this thing yesterday about basically this fraternity down in Oklahoma, is it, that was singing No Black Dudes in Their Fraternity. They oh, got caught on... Oh, you haven't heard about this? No. Uh, I won't use the N-word. It's not a word I use. Mm-hmm. I'm not a rapper. Um, but they're basically singing No N-Dudes in SAE. Are you uh, kidding me? No, I'm not. And so the whole fraternity got 
busted. It was on an iPhone and disbanded. Right. Um, now, my thing that I posted on Facebook was, oh, yeah, but there's no race problem in the States, right? <laughs> because that's the whole thing that came up with Obama and they came up with this and all the right. language that the entrenched old white dudes would use. Yeah. So I guess I just, I mean, you, I guess you haven't read about that, but... Truth be told, I don't know a lot of black dudes. Mm-hmm. I've never thought about myself in relation to it. But do you find that it's a it's a thing that's part of your career or your life being in Toronto, which is pretty urban, pretty open? Or is it just one of those things where you're like, yeah, I know it's out there, but I personally don't have to deal with much no, race it's, stuff. It's, it's, it's entirely a, a thing, I should say. Right. Right. I mean, from from school to working in the community, it's it, it, like, from for example, when I was in school, I was one of the two black guys in my high school in Santa Same Bay. Same with my high school. Yeah. And when I went to university, I was one of the five black kids in the theater program, not even right. acting, the theater <clears throat> program. And then when I got out into the community, it was like, okay, where are my other like compatriots? Right. You know? And the few ones that I have met, I constantly kept in touch with. And every once in a while, I'll see them at auditions. Right. And... Even for like my people, uh, my white friends that yeah. go to auditions, I don't see them same calls. Yeah, but I see the same black guys. Yeah, I see them more often. Well, it's funny because I've talked you know? about this thing called Casting By, uh, yeah. which is a documentary <clears throat> about a woman named Marion Doherty, and in the Lethal Weapon movies, mm-hmm. all they kept doing was suggesting for Mel Gibson's partner, like blah 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 blah, and she's like, "What about Danny Glover?" And the director, right. Dick Donner, goes, "Well, he's not black," and Marion Doherty goes. What are you talking about? Like, it's never mentioned anywhere what he is. And Richard Donner talks about this all the time. He's yeah. like, I realized that day that I was basically that version of racist. And it's this mm. version that I always go, I don't even know how I am, but I know I am. Because I'm a fucking white dude who right. grew up never having to think about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, I just kind of wanted to bring that up because I really do wonder what it's like. I'm not a woman or any kind of visible minority. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what minority means, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah. And I just wonder, like, <clears throat> do, you, do you find you don't get to go out for lead roles or... I mean, I don't want to make this a political well, or axe grinding thing, but is it? I mean, I, I think that 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 is a fine balance in, <laughs> in and of itself in terms of like going out for lead roles because it's like, where's my career at? What is the work that I've right. done to lead up right. to that? So, I mean, I I can't hold any grudges. Yeah, on you're that taking responsibility for not exactly. being there. Exactly, maybe it's, it's not me, but I think I mean uh, the reason why I connected with the agent that I have is that she's she's totally forward for me going for anything and everything she submits me of for all of those big roles yeah. and like even some casting directors I've met are just all for like let's mix up the colors let's mix up yeah. the, the sexes so you know? what do you think about like I actually was going to do a whole bit on this on mm-hmm. one of my solo podcasts but mm-hmm. we may as well talk what do you think of affirmative action mm-hmm. is that a term that people even use anymore like in the 80s affirmative action changed, was this whole sure. like you hire you just go and you hire all things equal or right. maybe not even equal. You hire more women and more black people. Right. I because th- there's obviously at the administrative levels an inherent, we're going to hire another white guy. Mm-hmm. So until you just plain shake that up. Right. I Jeez. Th- oh, I think it, shaking up the system like that needs to come from the fact that when you ha- have a lead in a story no matter what the story right you, you go i don't care what race i don't care what mm-hmm. sex mm-hmm. 
and then just open it up. The, the problem that that gives you, though, then, is now you've got a bajillion submissions from all sides, right? right? right. And so it's a double-edged sword in its own right. Yep. But it kind of has to start like that, I, I think. Because it's funny, because my whole thing, and I'm not sure what I think. I always like to think out loud on this mm-hmm. podcast. And I don't mm-hmm. mind being wrong. Mm-hmm. But I'm for affirmative action for the simple reason that... Um, you know, I was doing these read-throughs at the CFC, and, uh, the you know, this, like, 22-year-old, I don't know how old he was, but younger mm-hmm. guy had written a script that was, like, film-ready. It was good. Mm-hmm. It was excellent. Mm-hmm. And all the conversation turned, it was about a guy and what happened to this guy and all the guy stuff with his friends. And the conversation turned to, well, what about the women roles? How do we make them bigger? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember kind of listening as everybody very earnestly was like, yeah, we need to make sure the women are better represented. And I was kind of like, you know, they're properly represented for this story. Mm-hmm. Now, so in other words, I think that can actually be the death of good art to right. go, we need more women's voices in this story. Right. However, make sure there's 50% women writing stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That for me is the affirmative action part is, look, just make sure 50% are chicks, 50% are dudes, and then do a reasonable number of ethnic whatevers because otherwise we won't get those different perspectives. Mm -hmm. But once we get the perspective, including of the white guy, Mm -hmm. I need to be able to tell the white guy story right? without someone going, where's your Chinese guy? And I'm like, I don't know the Chinese guy. Well, you need to have him in there. Well, then it's not my story anymore. And now we're getting generic. And that's when this, that's when I, I totally agree. Then's when stories start to become bland and like just washed in one. Committees one color. are creating yeah. stories, and it's like well, I, this is just like a, the the short film that I did uh, in in November. It was it it was funny. It was described, and the direct the director told me he's like he's like, yep, this is the black movie b- uh, by white guys. Like, oh, <laughs> and how was it? How it was, was it? actually like these guys were actually, <laughs> and they're they're all students, right? Right, and they were all kind of like first timers figuring it out, but they were really, really in, invested and interested in telling this story of like these young kids in Brooklyn in the seventies and like the issues with cops back then, and they hire and like they hired some really intelligent people to right. play the leads and like, <clears throat> ha- have an open dialogue about like, yo, man. You're missing some stuff here. That's what's important. Like they have, they were open to it, right? Right. Which and this goes back a bit on what I was. I mean, my the the, the first play I directed was about two lesbian women. Mm-hmm. Uh, this story I don't want to give away too much, but it's about two lead women. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't need to be a woman to direct women, mm-hmm. but I need to be very open. I mean, it was a woman who wrote the script, and I need to be real open to going. I don't know what this moment is here, ladies. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell help me out here. Instead of going, it's this. And then them going, uh, we wouldn't behave like that. You know what I mean? I mean, obviously, we created it in a different way. So the behavior was coming from them always. And I just put a camera on it, uh, which is way fucking sexier. Guy or girl. It's it's sexier in a non-sex way, if you know what I mean. I do. There's nothing sexier than shooting a leopard being a leopard. So why do I want to go in and go, hey, leopard, you need to be more like what I think a leopard is. Mm -hmm. I want a fucking leopard, right? (laughs) Do what you do. Do what I do. Let let me see you go left and right. Yes. Um, So then my character is not racist in this movie, Uh but he's small town and he doesn't know any black people either. So the way you and I were riffing... Uh, how does that vibe then when you're A on set and you're hearing shit that's, again, not overtly racist, but just from that paradigm of white guy making obvious statement about black guy? You know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, uh, that, that is, a, is a tough thing to navigate. And I think 
it it takes a lot of strength, I think, in yourself and confidence mm-hmm. to to either like say no, that's inappropriate right. for me, right? Or to to go along with the crew because it's just like everyone's on the same team. I think that going along with the river is is like a poor choice, and you need to be uh-huh. a little bit more like that's wrong, and I don't think you should do that, or right? Like, Hey, or that, I find that inappropriate. <clears throat> I love that. And I mean, yeah. I think that's important anytime. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if somebody would spoken up, that girl might not have got killed on the train track because mm-hmm. nine people knew that was wrong. <clears throat> and, and I'm glad someone's going to have to pay a bit of a price for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it wasn't just, I believe the director's going to jail for that's the girl's unreal. death. Um, it is unreal. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people should have gone to jail since like the 19 teens <laughs> when, you know, people are put in harm's way all the time in ways that they shouldn't be. Um, But anyways, the point is, is that uh, it's, well, Malcolm Gladwell talks about this, the Korean air flight that uh, crashed into the side of a mountain. And he talks about how culturally the, uh, you know, not the co-captain, the Sioux captain, I don't know what they call it in a Mm. plane, would have known they were going to hit. And there's like record of them going, um, sir. Oh, But in that culture, you don't question the leader. Right. And so they crashed into the side of a mountain and everyone died because they had a cultural inhibition. And I think that's a version of what you're talking about is we can crash as a culture if we don't have those people go, hey, that's that's not quite right. Guys. The the flip side is within the context of a story, you might be like, that is right because there are people like that and that's what we're telling. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's, I think, for me. Uh, maybe where the trust comes in. Mm-hmm. I have to trust myself sometimes and trust that there's people watching going, yeah, I know you're playing a pervert or I know you're playing, but that's too far. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's too far. Oh, my God. Yes. I have. Yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's kind of like going to the, the crazy side when you're doing a, a, a wild role. Yeah. Just, I, I've been in that place of being, of being like... Uh, my director wanted more, wanted more. It's like, I need more crazy. I need you to just do <laughs> crazy. Yeah. I don't know about the direction, but like, I just be a little bit more aggressive with your wife mm-hmm. and your, and your girlfriend and kind of thing. And I was just kind of like, I, I'm already scaring my, <laughs> my it's co-actors. Tough, right? And so I, it was just kind of like, it became a ritual for me before the show. I would just mm-hmm. like sit in the corner and kind of meditate and be like, it's okay. Right. Everyone knows this is just a false You had reality. to get okay with it. Yeah. To do it. To do it. Yeah. yeah. I broke a girl's thumb on stage once. Oh, no. And it was, oh, fuck, I felt, I've never felt, well, I have felt worse in my life, but not many times. Uh, I was, she's holding this prop and I hit, I'm I'm playing an aggressive cop. Mm -hmm. So I come in and I crank this thing she's holding with a baton, but I was so hyped up and I was so in it. Yeah. And fucking early 20s that I cranked her hand and broke her thumb. It was. I mean, it was. It was brutal. I, I have no uh, nothing to say other than sorry, Melinda. Like it. It. It's never been okay yeah. that I did that to me, mm-hmm. um, because it wasn't just an accident. Yeah. It was me getting off more on myself. You know, the fucking weird flip side is that's what should have happened, but we have to have know where our line is. Exactly. And I guess that's Finding a bit of what we're borders, talking about is what's sure. the what's the border when you have permission? Yeah. Like the people who will, sh- in that experiment where they'll shock people, yeah. if they know it's an experiment, well, you're still shocking someone. Mm-hmm. So and how much how much voltage? How much voltage can you give them? Yeah. Before you go, I don't care who's what, what is permission. This isn't right. <laughs> and I struggle with that because I play a lot of people who are psychotic, or you know, fifty percent of my or not even every role is a person who's probably well, not every as liberal as I am and as chill as I am. 
So there's, I'm always probably going to say something that I wouldn't say. Mm-hmm. Now, when you add into it, keeping women captive or whatever, it's like, and it's insidious because I remember one day doing this last thing where I was cap- holding a woman captive and only about three weeks in after playing a very innocuous scene, I wasn't hurting anybody. I wasn't yelling at anyone. I just started to feel like I wanted to vomit. Yeah. I couldn't handle who I was being. Oh, man. It was awful. Yeah. Uh, I got through it. And, you know, yeah. luckily the, the girl I was working with, Courtney, was like, I see you're going through something and <laughs> I, I get it. And, you know, we're yeah. here for you. And, you know, it's okay. Yeah. I'm not taking this personally because I was doing some pretty awful things to her. But, yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's not bueno sometimes. Yeah. But then you see it and you're like. That sucked for a day, but I'm kind of glad that's on film now. That's our perverse thing, right? Yeah, that's the wonderful thing about the film. You don't have to recreate it a million times. You don't. Right? Uh, Emily Coots has a question. Hey, Emmy Rouge. <laughs> Caleb, if you could eat one thing for the rest of your life, health is not a concern, money's not a concern, what would it be? Emily Coots. Oh, my gosh. Talk to Em. What's going on okay, with Em? Okay, Emily Oh man, one thing I'm so bad at this. It it okay. If it would be one thing that I could also make, so that I could do variations on it, it would probably be risotto. Ooh, risotto. So it's for you cooking. So I could do both. I could eat it and I could do variations risotto. on it. Risotto. Yeah, man, it's my absolute favorite dish. That is that's uh, how yeah. do you how do you prepare the risotto? Yeah. Uh, well, there's. Uh, well, no, we don't need to do the whole recipe, <laughs> but do you have like a do you have a trick or a? No, it's just I like experimenting with uh, oh, different spices. And, like nice. I remember doing like lentil. I remember doing uh, was it was it the the little red um, things? Cayenne. Cayenne. No, they're expensive. It's goji berries. Nope. It's a spice. It's <laughs> a spice. Dude, I fucking have cooked like yeah. eight times in my yeah. life. Anyways, I, j- I, I just love like just yeah. experimenting with it. And then you can put lamb on top of it. You can put like some tomatoes on top of it. You can just put Make anything that for on your top girl, of it. A little bit of wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mushroom. Mm-hmm. Portobello. Jesus. Yucky. I would, uh, I'd, I'd put out if you did that <laughs> for me. Um, I give it to you. It's only going to be 4.30 when you're done. It might be too early. <laughs> Damn you, daylight savings. Daylight savings. Oh, man. <gasps> Risotto. Yeah. I like Soaps. that a lot. Okay, yeah. excellent. Um, theater versus uh, TV film. You know, you just booked this role in The Strain. You probably yeah. can't talk too much about yeah. what you're doing, no. right? No. I know they're pretty confidential about that stuff. Yeah. Congratulations. No. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, I, to be honest with you, um, I think I think theater. Yeah. Um. Only because I, I love the satisfaction of constantly going back and and imagining the same character in a, new, in a new world or trying to recreate that world every day. I love that fact about it. But, I mean, I've been focusing a lot this year for myself on, like, getting more on, into film right. in terms of writing, in terms of acting, and so on. And so it's it's it, it, I'm, I'm kind of tearing at the seams back and forth right oh, now. Oh, yeah, on it's it. an so interesting it's, one. And, you know, the great thing tough. is you don't actually have to choose in Toronto. Like, yeah. you can be doing your plays, auditioning for your stuff. And, you know, I might even actually be directing yeah. a film this summer now. I oh, don't cool. have the details, but it's... I'm, we're in some conversations about it, like a full-on external. I'm being hired to direct. Oh, amazing! And uh, yeah, and Congrats. It, thanks. Whether it works or not, it, it goes along with my follow the yeses. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I audition for ten things. I chat with people about directing, and then somebody goes, 
here's a yes. Now, just because they want me doesn't mean I want them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's a weird relationship dynamic thing. Yeah. <laughs> goes back to me in high school. But you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. If I look at it on par and it all adds up, mm-hmm. following the yeses seems to work. And that's something we kind of get to do in this city. You know, yeah. I know when I got to LA, uh, the casting directors are like, you fucking Canadians are so talented. And I was like, well, if we want a career in Canada, we kind of have to do theater. We have to do commercials. We're probably auditioning for voice at some point. Mm-hmm. So there's a really like... There's a facility with it all. Mm-hmm. You know, I, by the way, I just saw there's this interesting article going around, um, and I don't, I don't know if I agree, but it's talking about why Brits are coming over and getting a lot of the better roles. Yeah. And it's the, they're essentially saying Americans are lazy. <laughs> now, I'm not saying Americans are lazy. I don't know anything about American actors, mm-hmm. but I know that this is all I talk about when I'm teaching classes. Do you think you can take acting class three hours a week and think that you're going to be as good as somebody who, a is doing more and b is maybe on a series right now shooting 60 hours a week yeah now when you audition against that person and they book the part again your standard response is well they just fucking keep hiring the same people well they're hiring the people who are way closer to their 10,000 hours than you so kind of what you're talking about writing creating things and working on it working on it and that's one thing that I kind of had a discovery this year with um, with with just being engaged as an actor and it was uh it was Miriam Fernandez just came back from New York doing the workshop in uh, Salt Springs um, with the city company okay. and doing Suzuki. And it was kind of like the reason why they study Suzuki is to uh, con- be as as um, as rigorous as a professional athlete, as an actor. Amazing. And so you're constantly working to be as yeah. as good as you can, constantly pushing the borders, right? And it's it's a dif- it's a different like field entirely it is a different field it is an art versus a like you're creating a new machine with athletics but at the same time there there's so much simultaneous but all the butts but at the same time we're constantly pushing ourselves to like how how much better can i be when you like for example when you see that first 10 seconds of that clip and be like what could I have done? Yeah, and then and then re-experience that, or work on that, or write write about it. Anything, anything. But constantly keeping a rigor for yourself internally. A hundred percent agree. Yeah. I hundred percent yeah. agree. Phil Riccio from the company Theater. He mm-hmm. is brilliant at this, and he always has been. He and I went to theater school together, and uh, he's always been amazing about like if you're at the gym working out, that's you working on your career. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're reading a book, that's you working on your career. He's always been great about acknowledging. So when you call and you're like, hey, you want to like go see a matinee? Well, matinee might not be a good example because that would fit. But you want to go hang out for a coffee? He'll be like, well, I'm working. What are you doing? Well, I'm reading a book. Well, can't we just have a coffee then? No, I'm working. Yeah. I love that. I don't, I'm not, I'm getting better at that. But, Mm -hmm. you know, for me, a lot of the working always needs an external validation. Totally. It needs that person who a meeting. So for me, a coffee meeting sometimes feels more like working. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do count a lot of that as business and hustle. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I really love the way he'll honor those things because it's not always literal. It's not always go hit the batting cage and then go do your squats and then go do your 40 yard sprints. It's, 
what the fuck do I do today yeah. to further this thing? Exactly. It might be sit in the woods alone. <laughs> Literally. No, you're totally right, man. You know? I, I, I started actually doing that, that exact thing because I was like, I'm getting lazy. It's cold. I don't want to go outside anymore. So I got this, <laughs> this stupid little app that reminds me every single day of like the four or five things that I want to get done in the week. Nice. And it's like, it's like clean, write in my journal, write, work on my script, like go work out. Yeah. And, and like read reread scripts yeah and like so i get a reminder 10 o'clock every day and how do you like it i i i love and i hate it but it kind of once you get past the first week mark it starts to get easier because you're like this is my system you're training yourself and i'm getting used to it you get into that flow yeah so i i I struggle with that one there's there's some interesting theories on that like a guy like uh, i I talk a lot about anthony robbins and he's Mm -hmm. real you know wonderful with the motivational stuff and he'll say you know, the most successful people don't have lists Mm -hmm. because what they know is why. Mm -hmm. And when you know what you want and why, what you need to do becomes apparent. A, I kind of agree with that because like I just did the most amazing amount of spring cleaning at the side of the house. Why? Because I want my motorbike out. (laughs) So... The all that I know is that my motorbike yesterday need to get on the road. Mm-hmm. So for the two days prior, I was preparing the driveway with salt. I was shoveling off the layers of ice, shoveling off the. Nobody needed to tell me to do that. Right. No little alarm on my phone needed to say time to do the ice. Mm. The internal motor said motorbike. Right. And everything in the way of motorbike got done for sure uh but not many things are like that for me no motorbike in spring is an overriding force (laughs) compared to like go to the gym for the 80th day in the row right that one i do kind of need to put in the phone and it just says gym and i go exactly but i mean like like, for me that's that's what i need when it's down and there's not much going on Mm -hmm. because it's just like it's so easy to stay at home and do nothing what do you do when it's down and 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 you let's say let's say you're not working on something yeah what do you like to do uh, hmm. I like to go see plays. I like to try and be a hobbit. Yeah? <laughs> I stay at home. I love it. I stay at home. I read and uh, I I kind of just just cloister myself in and like look at what I need to be doing right. next. Yeah. That's when that's when lists start to come up because I don't I don't do lists either. It's right. just kind of like Okay, where's my life going? Yeah. What am I doing? <laughs> Heavy. Heavy. <laughs> yes. It's like, do you have blackout yeah. curtains and oh like fucking I do. Alistair I, Crowley and fucking like terrible. deep Well, dark I'll watch I'll watch heroin. all the movies that are like from uh, France and like wow. UK and Japan Japanese film stuff that I haven't like I've been meaning to. I've, I have I yeah. lists in my phone of like when someone mentions a music that I Oh, all my bookmarks are like yeah. the 10 movies that you haven't seen that you should see. <laughs> exactly. They're not the standard. It's not Wedding Crashers 2. It's like Kurosawa's forgotten film. Exactly. And I'm like I really and by the way, for me it's all like the amount of effort when Emily and I are going to go see a movie, mm-hmm. I want to see Wedding Crashers too. Yeah. I don't want to spend any fucking energy <laughs> watching a movie. But when we make the choice to go see the Kurosawa film and mm-hmm. the retrospect, tiff. it's yeah. unbelievable. I'm like, this isn't just kind of a masterpiece. I'm, my body's reverberating. My mind's reverberating. Like these are, yeah. we're still watching these movies in a foreign language made 60 years ago for a reason. Mm-hmm. 
but it takes a little bit of extra effort. And it, it's, it's not first on the Netflix suggestion for you. But it's just as rewarding sometimes as like going to see that play, right? Yes. The current, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The current film that I'm trying to, that I've been like searching forever for, it's called La Reine. Yeah. It's a French film made, I guess, in the 80s or 70s. Okay. And it's kind of like, uh, it's about these guys trying to escape, just like most French films, that there's not much action that actually right. happens. It's about people <laughs> and relationships. But um, it's about these guys basically trying to get out of downtown to get back to their like suburb suburban home or whatever right? okay and uh the way that the film goes is is it it's examining i don't know society and how we be, become complacent and kind of fighting the rules and and you know being a little bit punks nice yeah so well, I, I got it right here i can download it yeah. for you while we talk oh, perfect yeah. It's, uh, I won't, I won't tell you how it's all, it's all legal though. Um, <laughs> by the way, question for you, yeah. Brett Donahue. Oh, shoot. so Brett Donahue, uh, is, is our male lead in this film and he's phenomenal. And, uh, you play in the film, uh, Brett's best man, mm-hmm. um, and best friend. Had you known him before and had you guys, you guys had a relationship, right? Yeah. Or- yeah. We, we, um, we met, um, a few years prior working on a show called Andromac at the theater center. Right. Um, and, uh, we were all a bunch of soldiers and every day in rehearsal, like before we'd start, we did this like super machismo, um, four square <laughs> ball game. Okay. Love and four square. Intense. Um, I kind of kind of had a bit of a man crush on him because he was pretty cool. First guy with uh, toe shoes. Brad's pretty easy to man crush He's on. He's a pretty cool guy. He's easy on the eyes. Yeah. And then um, since then, it, like, well, actually, since working on this film, I've we become much more friends and like we've gone to oh, see awesome. theater together. And he's awesome. My, he's my mandate. Okay. Well, he has two questions <laughs> for you. Have you become an adult yet and got your license? <laughs> Oh man! My last class um, for my my <laughs> my driving school is this Saturday, and then I'm taking the test next. How week, old so are you? Your answer. Can we talk? Can we ask you how old I'm you are. 27. You're 16, and you're getting your li- you're getting your license. You're 27. Hey, listen, well, my you, mom you grew up in a small town. How do you not have a license? Well, when I moved back, I moved back halfway through high school, and okay. my mother did not trust me with the car. You moved back to Toronto or back to Thunder? Back to Toronto. Okay. And uh, my mom didn't trust me with a car, so I never had. So I had my G one, but I didn't have a car to practice on. Right. So and it expired. And she was just kind of like, "Well, you should find someone with a car if you want to learn to get your license." Really? And I was like, "Okay, I guess I'm not getting one of guess those. You're not getting one of those." Yeah. So do you have uh, like uh, this last class? Are you gonna send like a "fuck you, mom" text or like <laughs> anything like that? You gonna Instagram and like be giving her the finger or anything like no, that? No, nothing no, nothing like that. She's she's actually uh, she's changed a lot. Since she changed. Then. She lends you her she, shit now. Well, actually, she she just bought a new car, and so she's giving me her old one. No, <laughs> the wheel has turned. Yeah, so by the end of this she's month, she's proud of her boy. By the end of this month, I'm gonna have my own car and uh, and uh, Brett. So we can drive back and forth to Montreal that, together. Donahue. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I like the tone. Brett's question, so maybe he has to pay extra for the ride or something. <laughs> I feel like, look at that, Brett. So the answer is yes, by the way, but for real, um, because he thinks this is a great question for all of this. Yeah. Uh, what would you identify as your greatest weakness, either in life or acting, and what do you do to combat it? Oh, man, Brett. We get deep Donahue. on fucking Byron. There you know, we go. My greatest, my greatest weakness is, uh, is I guess, it would be... My fear to commit. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I don't 
I'm always worried that I haven't committed enough or um, I'm not there, I'm not present enough or uh, that I haven't done enough work. And in so life or in, in on? In both. 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 I'm never working hard enough. Right. I'm never hustling hard enough. And that's that's uh, that's probably... Oh, hold on. We have yeah. a little pop there. Uh, we just need to wait a sec. Uh, keep the monitor on. Mm-hmm. It's it's a technical glitch. Keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, that's that's definitely what, uh, what scares me the most and uh, is my biggest weakness because sometimes, for example, when you walk into the audition room, it's just like, oh, I'm not the right guy for this. I can't right. do this. This is not me. It's interesting you talk about this because, you know, I, I had therapy today and was mm-hmm. getting into a bunch of the, this kind of thing. I, I won't be too specific about what, what I talked about, but it has mm-hmm. to do with the idea, you know, of just not being enough. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's ironic because I'd say over 50% of the parts I've booked are when I went in there with the sheet in my hand mm-hmm. with no idea what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. And as a result, I emerged. Right. The thing they were most interested in was me. Mm-hmm. And when I didn't put acting between me and them, mm-hmm. they went, wow, we really are interested in this guy. Yeah. And as soon as I start acting, I might pull it off, but I pull it off less than when I don't. Yeah. And I find that incredible. Even a friend of mine who's a director, uh, the, the one I was talking about who saw this film, yeah. uh, he goes, fuck, love your work in it. Uh, would love to have directed you in this. Oh, no. Well, it's, I don't take that that way. He has directed me, and he's a wonderful director, and, yeah. and I, I, I deeply trust him. Yeah. Uh, period. I'd love to have had him direct me in this. If not him, not many other people, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I, it was great to give an unfettered performance. And I didn't ask for specifics because I don't care, but I hear what he's saying, which mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, to, to have someone go, great, but right there, you don't need to do that much. Mm-hmm. Right there, you don't need to do that much. That's all it is, is like pull pull back mm-hmm. in like four places, mm-hmm. having worked with someone like that who who really loves like an unbridled actor yeah. who can, like you can do it all, but you don't have to. Right, right, right. Which is you crazy. Less is more kind of thing. And so for me, that goes to the idea of being enough, because I know for me sometimes the overwork I can put into a script, I'm not saying you're overworking, but is thinking that I need to because I'm not enough. Right. I mean, I guess the the way that I try and combat that like that nature in within myself is that like for example, when I go into an audition, I just make sure that I don't I don't have the paper, right? So that I, I'm I'm like I know this, it's right? Okay. On opening night, I I make sure to forget my script on purpose at home, right? So that I'm not going over lines when I'm like doing my warm up. Ten minutes from yeah, it's like <laughs> no man, that's what the three weeks of rehearsal was for. Well, and also, who gives a shit if exactly. you make a mistake? That's the one thing I had to learn is that it's not what if you make a mistake; it's who cares if you do. Yeah, I'm not a brain surgeon. Mm-hmm. I'm not fixing the brakes on your car before you go out and race it at 200 miles per hour. <laughs> I'm saying some words, and I, I really believe in what we do. I believe in the nobility of it and all that fucking shit. Mm-hmm. But no one dies if I fuck up a take yeah. or if I drop a line on opening night, mm-hmm. especially not, by the way, uh, if I am willing to be present with you, we'll figure it out. Yeah. And it'll probably be one of the better moments of the night. And we'll actually <laughs> be breathing with you. you know <laughs> we'll I mean? actually yeah. be, you'll be looking at me for the first time since rehearsal started. <laughs> and I'll be looking at you and I'll be like, oh shit, someone's yeah. got my back here. Even if we're not supposed to, to like each other. I like that, you know. I yeah, think man. that's a great question. I do think that really is, um, you know, uh, identifying those weaknesses. Mm-hmm. It's something I don't want to dwell on mm-hmm. because I don't want to sit around like uh, focusing... 
there's that old idea, right? You have an evil dog and a good dog in your backyard. Which one grows? Right. The one you feed. Yeah, of course. So if I'm sitting there staring at what I think my problems are, um, there's a famous story that Schwarzenegger cut off all his pants at the knees, every pair he owned, when he believed his calves were too small. <laughs> uh, he's a world champion. Yeah. He's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Um, he also, I believe, is not psychologically... I think he's mellowed out now. I've seen some documentaries where I'm like, oh, there's a guy I'd actually want to have dinner with. Right. In the 80s, I'd have wanted to cousin Schwarzenegger, mm-hmm. but I feel like it'd be unbearable. And when you read about his childhood psychology, I think that's part of it too. It was For intense. Sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, it's such a fine line because I want to be the guy who just stares at my negative thing and fixes it yeah I, but it doesn't feel good no. like i don't like being me in that body not at all i can't not speak for arnie but i know for me so. that doesn't quite work yeah no i i agree that's that's where uh like i i, I don't know i've always always re- relied on um on activity to stay you know to stay positive yeah which is why i get up in the morning and I'll, like i'll go for a run along right. the water so that like what all that negative crap or whatever bad dreams, whatever thoughts going through my head, it's just like let it happen, let it oh, happen yeah. on that run, and then boom, I, I'm ready I, for the day. I man. discovered this in karate years ago, and so much of it is like we'll get in a stance that's brutal to hold after three minutes, and we'll be throwing more punches, and it's like when your legs are screaming mm-hmm. like that, and your ass, and you're fucking shaking. Your mind can't be anywhere else. Dude. I'm not doing the evil. And by the way, this is when I'm like a green belt. The other night, me and two guys got together in my studio, did Sword. Cool. It's a fairly slower paced thing. It's a different kind of, it's not all, you know, it's one at a time. We're doing these meditative cuts. Mm-hmm. It's, it's probably the last time that for an hour and a half, I didn't think about anything else. Like nothing. I didn't wonder what Emily was up to. I didn't think about my Porsche. I didn't think about the podcast or yeah. barn wedding. I just thought about where my hands were on the fucking scab. You know, yeah, man. it's, it's beautiful. It's yeah. that it's it for me. It's the best way to combat depression too, is to be physically active. Mm-hmm. I'm lucky enough that I'm not, well, lately I haven't been actually depressed in a, in any real way in about five years. But when I hit like, a sort of almost full year of depression, it's hard to get out of bed when you're depressed. Yeah. If I could get over the hump, anything physical, and I was fine at least for the day. Yeah. You know, because I'm, yeah. I'm in and out of it. Um, speaking of physical stuff, uh, I I trained as a ballerina and a modern dancer for Amazing. nine years. Uh, then I did dance shows. Cool. That's why I can dance when we go out. Hey. Why can you? <laughs> By the way, if, if you're listening, yeah. uh, me and Emily, we met dancing. Uh, uh, we went out one night and the people we sort of met and we weren't officially on a date. And then we ended up going to like the Drake and there was a band playing and there's no one else on the dance floor. And I was like, hey, you want to... Uh, I mean, I, I know they're leaving, but you want to dance like a bit? Nice. And I just dance. Like, I don't care if no one else is dancing. Yeah. Same with her. Yeah, man. For about four hours, we just danced. Other people joined, whatever. But I was like, holy shit. I'm with a girl who will do this with me. And then we, you yes. and me, have this, as, as with Emily. Um, what's your deal with dancing? My deal with dancing, man, it's like ever since I was a kid and obsessed with MC Hammer. Oh and yeah, his, and his parachute pants. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've loved to dance. Okay. Uh, so I uh, when I was in high school, I, I was in like every single sport. Okay. And I like football, rugby, basketball, badminton, did wrestling, all that stuff. And then I moved down to Toronto, and uh, 
and, and it was halfway through one of my French classes when like most of the girls in the class were gone and I, and I asked someone else I was like where where are all the, where, where all all the, the chicks man go? and that bit of a sausage fest in here isn't it? <laughs> and the, wait it's it, French right it was yeah uh, c'est une fest de saucisse ici so I asked I was like where all the girls go and they're like oh they're at uh, dance rehearsal and so then the next day I asked the girls I was like do they need any more like God guys bless you. and all of a God sudden they you. just lit up and then from that and then I started doing so that so you actually was, trained as well so then I trained I, I did I did modern and I did uh, ballet yeah buddy we Pound just bumped boom boom and so I just I really got into that and That's just kind great. of like I did I had to choose then from like doing playing rugby and like going all the way with that and then or dancing so then it just chose dance because I was like, I don't want to break yeah. anything. Yeah, man. No, I was yeah. scared of rugby guys. Uh, looking back, none of them were that scary, but to me at age 14, they were. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's funny because I remember when the football players used to be like, hey, you dance ballet, you fucking gay. I'm like, you understand that I'm in a room with about 15 women in tights, right? <laughs> and you're in a locker room with 12 other guys. Yeah, buddy. So... You know, that was kind of my standard comeback, but mm -hmm. it's kind of legit. Like, yeah. I mean, we weren't braiding each other's hair, even though mine was longer than most of them. Um, <laughs> I didn't quite have what it sounds like you had, which is I was a little bit uh, young and naive and unaware. So I didn't have the wherewithal to, like, ask a girl out in dance right. class or, you know, like, I enjoyed being around the women like that. I didn't really know how to enjoy it, if you know what I mean. Like, mm -hmm. it, it took me into my 20s before I could be... Well, hey, how's it going? Yeah. Want to grab a coffee or go out for dinner? Right. I didn't really. What I found um, through dance, and it was especially with modern with modern dance. I mean, the girls was the beginning of it, but then it became more about like expressing feeling oh, through movement. God bless you. And it was unreal. So I had me and two other guys, and like we were just like, all right, let's let's create a piece, and it was about the city and just. Uh, I don't know the landscape and how our bodies move in relationship to that and we made this really awesome piece and then we started I started getting in more and more to choreography and it was like how to express a feeling or a space with my body rather than describing it right or whatever and that so did that lead you into acting mostly? That, like, well, acting brought me to dance, and it. then dance influenced my acting. Got it. So that's kind of how that whole yeah. mishmash came together. That's fantastic. I had no yeah. idea. That, I just yeah, knew man. that when we went out, because uh, Caleb, Emily, and I, to the people listening, we'll go out, uh, not often, but whenever we do, we can just dance for three yeah. hours. Like, oh, my God. Or more. And that's what we're going to do. We're mm -hmm. not going to pick up. We're not going to get drunk. We're trying to find somewhere to dance. We should do this soon, by the way. I guess. I, uh, I think it's time. I went out the other night with uh, for my brother's birthday. I think we did about four hours at Boots and Bourbon, which is like, you know, it's like, <laughs> I know Boots and you know, it's like a country version of wedding music. Uh, totally. I went to the Stones place and uh, nice. same thing where the thing I love about these bars is that they're non-pretentious. Mm -hmm. So they're playing basically like. I think the Stones place literally started out with like at like 9 p.m., right? When there's not a lot of people there. Yeah. And it's like a wedding yeah. where they start with the 50s and then they go through the 60s. Yeah, and then by like 1 a.m., the techno starts for the people who are still there. Yeah. What a great way. It's amazing. When Sweet Child it. of Mine comes on at like oh. 11 and everybody's just going nuts. Yeah. You're like, this should, like, anyways, I'm a fucking old I love bastard. It. It's the best. Oh, I, to I totally love it. And, you know, I have I have one friend out there who I, I got him starting to dance. And it was exactly that thing. It was just like, you know what's more fun than, like, you know, trying to hook up with someone? Yeah. Is actually enjoying yourself on the dance floor? Actually enjoying yourself. 
and then everyone else will follow. And the, follow. Everyone else will just have more fun, and maybe you'll meet more people if you're having fun. Well, and the thing for me, and this goes, uh, you know, to a deeper relationship aspect mm-hmm. is. If I'm dancing because I want to, let's take me and Emily. Mm-hmm. So I'm out with a girl who I don't know. Mm-hmm. I have zero investment in this girl other than she's pretty. Mm-hmm. And we had a nice time chatting for an hour so far at the bar where we it's a bit too loud to chat. So no investment. Mm-hmm. Why would I pretend I'm someone I'm not already? What kind of path am I setting for the rest of our first date, second date, life together, Mm -hmm. if I'm starting to show her a version of myself that isn't real. Mm -hmm. Because me, Sean, when I walk by a dance floor with pretty good music, I don't give a fuck. If I got a bit of juice in me, I'd like to go dancing. Um, If I can show a girl that without being obnoxious about it, and she's like, me too, that makes for a pretty good second date. Oh, dude. Oh my God! Yes, no. That th- this is this is my dating thing. Actually, is is okay. First date, we can chat. I can kind of get along with you. Second date, have to go dancing. Nice. So if I can't dance with you, then it's like then you're just gonna be jealous. You're just gonna be, oh because I'm gonna because I'm gonna dance with other other ladies Amen. or whatever, right? And it's yes. like, I'm sorry. I I love doing this. I'm not gonna go home with them. I know who I'm going home with. Yes. But let's. Like, you have to want to, you know? Oh, yeah. And by the way, if I literally subtract the hard-on in strangers' ass move, I'm now no longer doing anything to violate your trust. So that I had to take one move out of my repertoire. Obviously, it was a strong move. But, um, but out of respect more, for Emily. There's more to the repertoire. A little bit more. I mean, no, I'm not, who's kidding who? That was kind of the move. Let's be honest. I don't, I'm a shell of my former self now, but I'm still out there. No, of course. It's yeah, like yeah. you take out... The one move. Yeah. And then, then the rest of it's just gold, baby. The rest of it's just gold, baby. Shit. Yeah, it's shit, all in shit. the hips. It's all in the hip. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I agree. I agree with that thing. And that, that to me has to do a bit with where we sort of started with this, which yeah. is if I put my authentic self out there or even my attempt to be authentic, who knows what authentic is, right. and uh, someone responds, then that's going to lead, uh, as I said, that's a good second date. You know, um, if mm-hmm. I present something that isn't me to try and get what I want from you, even if I get what I want from you, you're actually giving it to someone that isn't me. Yeah, You're giving it to a straw, Sean, so I don't even get the validation from it. And, then it, and then it becomes a relationship of lies, right? A relationship of lies. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I can't stand it. I, I remember agree. once uh, I was at the strip club and one girl's like, hey, <laughs> can we get out of here and I pretend you're Matthew McConaughey? Because I had a mustache. <laughs> And I said, only Seriously? if I can pretend you're as hot as the stripper that I was with last night. <laughs> <laughs> Needless to say, we didn't leave together. Oh, man. Well, you know, That's it's like, hilarious. what do you mean? I mean, is that going to work for you? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't get it. I don't get Okay, well, speaking of strip clubs, you'd be surprised at <laughs> the things that people don't know that they actually want. When, uh, oh my God, let's talk yeah. about this. Tell oh us about your gosh. job. We weren't rolling okay. when we so, talked about this. That's right. Yeah. Sometimes no. you got to pay bills in between gigs. Exactly. Sometimes you decide to bartend at a male strip club. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a true story. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so, there, so it's uh, guys go there, girls go there. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's a crazy, freaky party. And this place has been around for like over 20 years. Which so one is it? It's uh, Remington's. Remington's? Is that above uh, 
Is no. that still above the brass rail, or was that ever no, above no, no, the brass it, rail? It's two floors, uh, Young and Gerard. Okay, and uh, it's it's wild the kind of people that you I meet because like on Friday, Saturdays, all the women that come in, you know, it's it's a birthdays, it's bachelorette, it's divorce parties, it's girls' night divorce out, divorce parties, oh, divorce parties are that the most must interesting. be fucking fish in a barrel, kind of, yeah, kind of is, gentlemen, take like, heed. look out, <laughs> look out for the girl wearing divorcee sash. Oh my god, it's so it, it like I and the tr, do they get tiaras? for the divorce party. <laughs> no, they just have the penis straws. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but it's it's really weird because um, for me as the bartender, I get to be the only like real dude in the in the bar that's not like actually harassing oh, them. Oh, all I ever wanted to do was pick up the waitresses at strip clubs because they're in the hot environment, yeah. but they're not strip, you know. They're not engaged in that yeah, sexual like, uh, back and forth. And so, so you get like... These women are just like, man, he's really handsy and like beautiful. And I was like, really? He just kind of approached you while grabbing his cock and then rubbing your your breast. Like that's that's kind of wow. That's kind of not, I love it. Is that really what you like? But and like these are normal women, like sure. mothers, daughters, university students, anywhere. Like and it's just What's really not super to like aggressive. about that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's funny that how that that whole dynamic changes when you're in that environment, right? Like the sharks come out, and yeah. for some it's really hot, and for some it's like over overstimulation, right? right. And I'm the easy go between. Well, you are the easy go between. So let me ask <laughs> you this, mm-hmm. um, and and I, and I half joke when I say what's wrong with that because if you're going there, you're going for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. That might be like exciting to see, you know, that's yeah. what someone's going for. Mm-hmm. It's not what I want in my life. And I, you know, yeah. I make these stripper illusions. I haven't been to a strip club in like eight years. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But I used to go a lot. Yeah. It's just not for me anymore. Uh, how, are you finding it's taking any kind of a toll on you being around such a, in one way, chargedly sexual, but yeah. in another way, totally asexual environment? Like it's well, surface sex, right? <laughs> it's it, Yeah, sex becomes just a commodity rather than an actual expression of, of feeling. Right. Which is, uh, I'm thankful that I'm not a stripper for that very reason. Right. Because I've, I've had strippers come up to me like, man... I can't go out with girls the same way I used to anymore because all whenever we get sexual, all I imagine are like the big hairy dudes that are like grabbing my cock. Right. And it's like, and, but that's the image permanently like lodged in the back of their brain. And then you, and for me, I'm just kind of like, that's not what I engage in. I don't take people right. home. It's right. not what I do. And so, but at the same time, this, this brash forwardness, I kind of have to remember when I leave and just being like, nope, I can't say those things. And then you, you, have you been approached to dance? Oh, every single. Of course, (laughs) you look, you look how you look and you can dance. What? No, I think part of, part of it is the allure of of the, of the only guy in there who they can't actually have. You're only a virgin till you're not. And then you're not worth the like million dollar bid after that. Right. Right. Yeah. Now you're out and out back for 20 bucks. Yeah. Which is a thing, by the way, princes come in. It's really weird. Princes come in. Yeah. Like Rolando. It's really crazy. But, um, no names. Not Prince. The artist formerly known as no princes, princes like, like from, Saudi and yeah, like yeah. yeah, gas money, oil money. Wow, yeah, it's crazy. I yeah. can't even imagine when you in a night can spend, let's say, a million bucks. Well, yeah, you could crazy. literally just go or like, hey, I I got a floor at the Pantages. 
Like, let's just <laughs> like have fun with all of the dancers. And it's like, I'm going to go home. Thanks. Right. Uh, and like, that's, right. that's when be, that's when, when I remind, remind myself, I'm like, right, I have morals. It was I, so, so I don't. where do, and th- uh, this is a real question. Mm-hmm. Where do your morals meet your financial desires? Where it's like, it's not like you have to suck anybody off, but what if you just go party and you get an extra hundred bucks out of it? Uh, it usually comes down to sucking somebody off. So, so you don't I get don't. the extra if I, you don't. I don't. Yeah, right. no. It, unless it's like a like a cool group of people and we've had a conversation, uh, I'll I may go and like have a few drinks with them, but otherwise I'm not. Because at a certain that. point, it's just either on or off. Exactly. It's not like you can have a grand if you hang out for an hour and four grand if you suck someone off. It's like yeah. it's zero or or a hundred. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> is that so going it, right? Is that going right? A hundred bucks? No, more. More? More. Well, okay. for me, it's going to be more. For you. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Ain't going to get that for a hundred bucks. I value bucks. myself a little I, more than I that. I value my uvula. <laughs> can you say uvula on a podcast? <laughs> Pretty sure you can. I think yeah. that's where the censors go. He just said uvula. Ooh. Ooh. Where is that? Oh God! You're just going crazy. Wow, that uh, um, you know what, Caleb? Yeah. Fuck, that's it. Like we're we're done, man. Yeah. We're um, we'll have to do this again. Well, damn. Enjoy the jam. Enjoy the jam. Um, thank you, Caleb. What, what, tell us about that place. That was gorgeous. Oh, um, it's called the. Uh, oh, dang! It's a little co- uh, tea and scone shop on Queen, just west oh, of Lansdowne. So good, amazing Caleb scones me and, a scone homemade jams. and homemade jam and. Since I don't have to have my shirt off, I can have a little bit of a carb relapse. <laughs> um, Caleb, I love you. I love this. We do have to go out dancing soon. Anything you want to go out on? No, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for being here. I cannot wait for you to see all of your performance in its entirety. And I, you know, I'm glad you, you got to see a little bit because uh, I think now you'll be able to sink in a little deeper right out of the gate. Yeah. I won't totally be balling on the Won't totally. <laughs> no ball. We want you to ball. <laughs> we just don't want you to be uh, not watching how good it actually is. Uh, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, thank Thanks for joining me and Caleb Alexander here on Chatting Between Takes, and that's a wrap. Thank you. Awesome, buddy.